You know, in a low interest rate environment, you borrow as little as you need. And in a high interest rate environment, you borrow as much as you can afford. You'll always be able to refinance the debt that's borrowed in a high interest rate environment. And low interest rate debt is a whammy when it comes back and interest rates are higher. You are listening to the AFIRE podcast. Real estate, technology, cross-border investing, and opportunities of a changing world. Let's start a conversation now. So, you know, I, I, I keep hearing or reading headlines that really, you know, seem rather apocalyptic around around office and around our CBDs and our and our major markets. And what am I missing? I, I feel like there's something that people are missing about where we go from here and how we deal with the, the multiple challenges of everything from sustainability to the fact that no one wants to go into the office anymore. Uh, it seems, again, if you listen to, uh, to uh, the, the media, you listen to individuals quite often, it seems like it's the end of the world and that we're not able to work out of here. And yet there are people that are doing it. Uh, there are people that are defying uh, the challenge that's presented that 80% of the buildings that we're going to be working in, living in, uh, have already been built uh, by the time we get to 2050 and therefore we cannot solve uh, sustainability, efficiency, carbon issues, because most of the buildings are already built. And we're great at doing beautiful brand new buildings that are pretty energy efficient. And some of them are even claiming carbon neutrality at this point. But again, that's a small part of the problem. And I came across a really interesting article that uh, Ed Glazier, my friend over at Harvard University, wrote. There were 26 Empire State buildings worth of office space in New York that are currently empty. And I think that's an interesting way to look at it. I realized when I was reading that article that I should probably talk to someone who knows something about the Empire State Building. Uh, We're really lucky today, here we are on the 10th of July, 2023, to talk with Anthony Malkin, who's the CEO, of course, of uh, the Empire State Realty Trust. And in addition to a a, a sizable and interesting portfolio of of office and multifamily, obviously, they also own the Empire State Building, which has had its own transformation from a a nearly 100-year-old building into a leader when it comes to sustainability and energy efficiency and even attractiveness to a particular kind of tenant. So I I want to thank you, uh, Tony, for joining me on the AFIRE podcast. Delighted to be here, Gunnar. And thank you very much for the opportunity to, to, to be here in the first place. I also look forward to the opportunity to address a bunch of the subjects that you just raised, as well as you know, the, the the larger subject of what is the future of sustainability, what is the future of the workplace, how do we get there in both places, in both situations, and 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 to talk about the current market environment and put that into context uh, as far as the world. Which I, I, I'm really glad that you're here to be able to talk about it because I, I, I keep hearing people talk, well, unless you're one Vanderbilt uh, in New York, forget it. You know, you're, you're not doing well. And yet I, I think there's something a little bit farther downtown, I think, in the 30s that, that has been doing pretty well. How how are you doing in this environment where it seems like no one's going to the office and, and there's all sorts of arguments about whether or not office is even viable in a in a Zoom world like this? What are you doing? How are you doing? So uh, let, let's start. First of all, I always am amused by the fact that the Empire State Building is a unit in measurement. Asteroids which approach Earth are measured in Empire State Buildings. Correct. Uh, super tankers, Chinese aircraft carriers, chasms beneath the Antarctic ice shelf. So, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, it's, it is the world's most recognized brand. It's the world's most 
uh, famous building. It happens also to be for the second year running the number one tourist attraction, according to TripAdvisor, uh, in the United States. Uh, so that is also a lot of fun. Not by the way, uh, by volume, but by quality of consumer reviews, actual visitors. So mm. we've got a lot going for us. And then of course, Empire State Realty Trust is much more than the Empire State Building. And uh, as was once told to me by uh, President Clinton's uh, former chief of staff, you know, if we accomplish great things in a building on 36th and Broadway, nobody will care. So, uh, so, so we, we, we welcome the attention that the Empire State Building receives, and we merely highlight that what we talk about today at the Empire State Building, as far as how we do on energy efficiency, sustainability, indoor environmental quality, leasing, tenancy, actually, you could apply that equally to all of our properties in our portfolio because they have similarly performed and we do the same work on them as far as energy efficiency, sustainability, and indoor environmental quality. And I, and I think that it's probably good to put things in context. You know, um, Warren Buffett, and I'll paraphrase, made this great comment that he does not look at the crisis of the moment. He looks at the macro trends. So that's point number one. Uh, point number two is we have to recognize, at least in the United States, and I think to some degree in Europe as well, good news does not attract eyeballs. Good news does not generate clicks, and therefore good news does not sell ads. I think number three, we need to put things into, into context from the perspective of we've just gone through the end of the largest globally synchronized fiscal and monetary stimulus in non-war time in history, period. And a tremendous amount of that stimulus, surprisingly, government stimulus, has yet to hit the economy. So as far as the stimulus of spending by governments for infrastructure, that's still to come. It's just begun. As far as the stimulus of reglobalization, not deglobalization, reglobalization, that has just begun. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, what has begun already uh, and is underway is the tightening of government balance sheets and the withdrawal of liquidity from the markets. And that liquidity that was injected into the markets produced historically low interest rates, historically high amounts of money both to lend and to invest. And those are disruptions. In the face of time, they are blips. Today, confronted with them head on, it seems like the end of the world, which brings me to point number four. When we hit the end of the world, you and I won't be in a podcast together, <laughs> True. right? We, we, we won't talk about the end of the world. The end of the world is the end of the world, and we're not there. Right. So let's take a step back. Let's talk about the most glaring issue out there today, and that was what I would call the debt issue. And then let's move on from there. 
All right. The debt issue for me is very simple. And maybe the best thing for me to do would be to sort of paraphrase a synopsis of Empire State Realty Trust and where we are. We are one of the, if not the lowest debt to enterprise value CBD office REITs in the United States. One, two, our properties are modernized. We've actually not just done lobbies, elevator cabs, water features and plant walls. We've scraped our properties so that more than 95% of every space within our each of our buildings in our portfolio in New York City has been to the extent it is required, asbestos abated, hot water, cold water, wastewater risers, electric risers, modernized and replaced as needed, power distribution panels, window replacements, not just elevator cabs, elevator me me mechanical equipment where necessary. The Empire State Building, we have 67 elevators that actually generate power as they go down while they move people up at the, with, with that same power. Mm -hmm. So you know, really modernized, amenitized. So we were the first to bring amenities into the entire office real estate business back in 2007 and eight at the Empire State Building. Mm -hmm. Tenants only fitness center, tenants only conference facility, what we call the campus within a building. Uh, now let's get to the other piece, sustainability. That's both waste reduction and recycling of tenant waste and construction debris. It is water waste reduction. Mm -hmm. uh, it is the use of recycled materials which then flows, by the way, into, into indoor environmental quality. We were the first movers in this area, again, back in the mid-2000s. When you don't allow volatile organic off-gassing materials in your carpets, your wall coverings, your paints and adhesives, you have a healthier indoor environment. We deployed active bipolar ionization going back more than five years ago in reaction to the SARS virus. And now we found that it works very effectively against the COVID virus. MERV uh, 13 filters, we started that work back in uh, five years ago. You know, it had nothing to do with, with SARS. And then the biggie, uh, energy efficiency and carbon reduction. Again, work that we pioneered starting back in 2007 with the Clinton Climate Initiative, and that we uh, announced in April of 2009, that was version 1.0. Back in April of 2022, we announced version 2.0 in partnership with the New York State Energy Research Development Authority and the Clinton Climate Initiative. Mm -hmm. So what have we done? And by the way, that again will be starting at the Empire State Building, starts at the Empire State Building, and then is deployed throughout our entire portfolio. We have individual playbooks for every one of our buildings mm -hmm. of how we get to maximal carbon reduction with an economic argument. And we share all of our data. We mm -hmm. share all of our playbooks. It's all published for free. It's all freeware. That's the way we've run 
our program. That's been our policy since inception. Part of what's really striking about all the things that you say is the abundance of detail required. I, I think you were quoted at one point saying that it's not a, there's no silver bullet, but perhaps there's a silver scattershot uh, shotgun shell or something along there's those no lines. There's no silver bullet, silver buckshot. Buckshot. That's it. Silver buckshot. So, I mean, I, I think about all these things and I, and I remember when you were doing that first efficiency renovation years and years ago, how important it was simply to reglaze the windows and the impact that a seemingly small thing had on the overall picture. But obviously you were also doing the chillers. You were also doing all these, these other exciting things, such as the, the energy regeneration on the, on the elevators and everything else. It seems to me that you're not necessarily sharing whiz-bang tech. You're basically sharing a, a lot of ideas that come together that you should be doing from an economic standpoint that makes sense for the building. It's, it's not necessarily the steps themselves, which are such breakthroughs. We use what's available when we do our work. We're not a venture capital startup. When you look at why our properties perform on a an occupancy percentage and on a lease percentage and on new leases per quarter. We actually mirror the absolute top quality brand new building performance. Why is that? It has to do with these hard steps we have taken to do scientific based target initiative compliance steps towards statistical measurement, specification, bid, construction, and monitor and verification of energy-efficient tenant spaces, of measures within the building envelope, insulation, you referenced the window, 6,514 windows. We rebuilt in the Empire State Building in a glass factory, we built on site really a window factory. Glass comes out of a factory. Windows are handmade, even today. So all we did is we did it at the Empire State Building instead of in a plant somewhere. Right. By the way, in the case of the Empire State Building, talk about sustainability, Mm -hmm. 95% of the windows and frames never left the building. We just repurposed them. Some were broken in the process. We needed to bring in new frames or new windows. So when we did the original project, started back in 2007 with the Clinton Climate Initiative and the Rocky Mountain Institute, really led by Amory Lubbins and Stephen Doig, who was then at the Rocky Mountain Institute. He's now a professor at Dartmouth. He worked with us on version 2.0 as well, Stephen Doig did. When we, when we started that original work, we learned about integrated design and execution. And that was taught to us by Amory Lovins. When you were spend money on a hallway, when you spend money on a boiler, when you spend money on a tenant space, when you spend money on lighting, on air conditioning, on heating, on ventilation, all these different systems, the sustainability piece is not an add-on after you do all of that. It's integrated into the decisions you make when you develop your life cycle replacement, building improvement programs. We looked at 64 different measures in version 1.0 and chose eight, which worked together in harmony. So fairly large buckshot if you're loading your cartridge. 
to produce this terrific result. Right. And what we were able to measure was the incremental cost on top of work that we had to do anyway. Now, in version 2.0, we considered more than 250 systems controls, products, services, design concepts from 64 to over 250. Every one of those 64 was broadly available in the marketplace, could be executed by everybody. Every one of those more than 250 at which we look, broadly available, market proven. We don't do well when we take the money that we have to spend and spend it on something risky, on a concept or a technology that could go bankrupt, right? So, so the whole concept for us is you build a plan over time. And then every time something comes up, which needs to be replaced, you do it the correct way. And the incremental cost is very low. Why did we do it? I think that's really the root of the question. Why did we do it? Well, we, we, we did it because we wanted the Empire State Building as, an, as a model to stand out because we wanted to rebrand this building, which in 2006 had over 752 individual suites and the average fully escalated office rent was $26.50. The office building lost money. The observatory, the broadcast, and the retail made money. It was an entirely economic-driven decision to invest with a return. Our view is if you can model it, you can specify it. If you specify it, you can bid it. If you bid it, you can build it. If you build it, you can monitor and verify the outcome based on what you had originally modeled. We've always done better, by the way, in actual results than we had originally modeled. We model conservatively, we execute, and we've achieved a better result. It was all about competition. It was how we take the Empire State Building from a really B minus C building to which no one had an interest to go to a building where our largest tenant at over half a million square feet is LinkedIn, where we've got terrific tenants with terrific backing, with great balance sheets. And that's our strategy, Gunner. I want to take a moment here to thank uh, this podcast sponsor, Accountability. They are one of the few, if not the only, specialist global ESG consulting and standards firm that has over three decades of experience. And as we often talk about on this podcast, we face tremendous challenges. And the best help almost always comes from points of view, from other experienced colleagues that have specific expertise. And that's why my friends at Accountability support the effort of this podcast through sponsorship. Now, CEO Sonny Miser and his team take a pragmatic view. They, they challenge, they ask the difficult and relevant questions, and see how organizations can make meaningful action. Now, to understand and address the ESG issues companies face, it isn't always straightforward or easy. It can be difficult to keep up, especially at the rate things are changing right now. And accountability helps. They apply clear thinking, established expertise, and practical solutions to provide their clients with clarity, confidence, and results. There is a real opportunity here to develop and apply ESG strategies in a way that achieves substantive impact and improves business performance, to win customers, to attract top talent and satisfy investors. Now, accountability knows that sustainability is not a buzzword. It's, it's about a future where the best businesses transform their long-term performance. So when you're ready to lead, it's time to think about ESG as an opportunity and not a challenge. 
Visit accountability.org to learn more. So how do you apply that strategy to something that isn't used as a measurement for how big an asteroid is? I, I mean, you know, it, it, I, think, I think the pushback might be, okay, that's fine. Malkin and his, his crew had the Empire State Building. You had something that had inherent value that was under, uh, underappreciated and misunderstood. How do you do that when you're talking about a property that is not used as a universal metric? It's actually easier. Because um, I once had a good friend, Claudia Deutsch, a reporter at the New York Times, who once said to me, you know, you real estate people, you love attention and you hate scrutiny. (laughs) If there is anything more scrutinized in the world than the Empire State Building, I don't know what it is. Right. You know, if you got a bed bug in the Empire State Building, it's the front page of the New York Post. Right. So we did the exact same process. Our view, our estimates show that so long as a building is 50 to 60,000 square feet or bigger, it makes economic sense to do the engineering study work necessary to achieve a better economic result through reduced energy consumption. And this is not soft stuff like LEED or GRESB. Right. That, and, and you've been somewhat critical of LEED and, and GRESB in the past. You know, it, it sounds like there, there's a different emphasis that we should be taking well, as we're looking at this. When people have to disclose things based on what are the actual numbers, not how many points did you get for a plant wall, a water feature, a bike rack, a shower, a location, signage, you know, yeah. not not yeah. not all that and not new construction either. OK, because right. as an aside, buildings are a tremendous carbon storage right. of carbon in the United States, in Europe, in the world. There's embodied carbon in the concrete, steel glass, cast iron, PVC, copper, masonry, you name it. And we have to be able to address not just new construction, we have to be able to address the existing physical equipment of existing built structures because 90 plus percent in the developed world of buildings which will be there over the next 10 years are already there, number one. And you make a really good point, by the way, when you talk about how many Empire State Buildings of vacant space there are in New York City, and, and, and I want to be very clear, by the way, I am so grateful that my ancestors did not have enough money to make it past New York City when they came to the United States, because we could have ended up in Cleveland, in Pittsburgh, in Chicago, in San Francisco, you know, cities which already were challenged and reduced or are challenged today. I look at it to say, you know, we're so fortunate we're in New York City. If if you have to turn the lights out in New York City, you've turned the lights out everywhere. Right. And the fact is, the New York City is resilient and strong. That said, to go back to your comment, how many vacant Empire State Buildings there are, look at who the largest consumers of space were over the prior 15 years leading up to 2022. Office space. Right. WeWork and private equity-fueled tech startups. Right. And they went to the worst buildings. And those buildings were not modernized. And they were not amenitized. And they did not have energy efficiency measures placed in them. And they were not sustainable. And they did not have indoor environmental quality. So now when the tide comes out on WeWork and all those tech properties, what do you know? They have a lot of debt on them. And they haven't been improved. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of buildings which are, quote, glass box, unquote, that are 50, 60, or certainly 50, 45, 40 years old. Right. And those, those buildings, they need to be modernized, amenitized, made energy efficient, 
sustainability measures, indoor environmental quality, or they too will not be competitive. Right. I mean, you're really saying these are terrible places to work in an environment where you're competing to get people to work in an office. Those those are a real deficit for you. And particularly when for uh, SEC purposes, you'll have to disclose as a company, as a tenant, you know, what what are my scope one, scope two, scope three emissions? Mm-hmm. Certainly scope one, scope two. As a landlord, we'll be required to do it. As a manufacturer, you'll be required to do it. As a tenant who occupies space, the tenants now wake up and realize, oh, you know, I appreciate your lead certification. I got it. What's your carbon footprint? Mm -hmm. What's my carbon footprint? We pioneered the work and we did it as a nonprofit effort funded by my wife's and my foundation, my brother and sister-in-law's foundation, the Julian Robertson Foundation, the Helmsley Charitable Trust, and the John and Amy Griffin Foundation. We did a four and a half million project to show a dollar project to show how to design and build out energy efficient office space. We then, having done that with the Natural Resources Defense Council, turned around and gifted it to the Urban Land Institute. It's freeware. Anybody can learn about the Tenant Energy Optimization Program. Just Google or whatever search you like, Tenant Energy Optimization Program, Urban Land Institute. It's all there. The case studies and the how-tos for brokers, engineers, tenants, managers, owners. It's all there. You know, so 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 my comment would be that. If you look at the better buildings, not only are they physically leased or occupied, people actually go to work there. And I think this whole go to work thing is really very straightforward. You said it very well. People want to be in buildings, companies want to be in buildings, which serve as talent attraction and retention tools. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's called TART. Talent attraction and and retention tool. Mm-hmm. And if your building is a is a tart, you're great. Yep. If your building is a lump of coal, you're not. Mm-hmm. And these better businesses. That, look, the the other thing I'd point out, by the way, the number one destination for new Google hires. Google has this thing still where they allow people to choose where they want to go. The number one destination is New York City. Of course. The number one destination for Young adults out of college is New York City. And it's not because they want to show up and live in an apartment and work from home. They want to go and learn how to do business. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a strong feeling about how successful and positive this return to office is already and will be in the future. And by the way, I'd like to highlight from our perspective, we look at it and say this disruption, which is underway right now, as far as debt, let's face it. Sorry, off the subject for a moment. Uh, but my, no my grandfather once said to me, you know, in a low interest rate environment, you borrow as little as you need. And in a high interest rate environment, you borrow uh, as as much as you can afford. Because you'll always be able to refinance the debt that's borrowed in a high interest rate environment. Right. And low interest rate debt is a whammy when it comes back and interest rates are higher. Right. Boomerangs back at you. What happened in the last cycle was, People predominantly borrowed as much as they could afford on floating rate debt at low interest rates. Mm -hmm. And they didn't put that money into the properties. 
Right. You know, they may have used them to buy a property. So it shouldn't be a shock to anybody that there's a lot of disruption. Out of that disruption, we look at it and we say, we have an opportunity. Empire State Realty Trust has an opportunity. Thanks to our knowledge of how to renovate, refit, modernize, monetize energy efficiency, indoor environmental quality, sustainability, to take good location buildings and buy them, upgrade them and lease them because we know they lease and they lease well. They lease Mm -hmm. in the same speed and velocity as AAA assets, brand new. Mm -hmm. It's just, we serve a much deeper component of the market. Right. Who can't afford 150 to $250 a square foot rents. And the, the, the general turmoil will allow us to buy those assets and do those turnarounds uh, at, with existing buildings. Mm-hmm. And that sustainability piece and the fact that we'll be able to, we are, we, not we will be able to, we are able to now say to tenants, this is our carbon footprint. This will be your energy consumption when you build out according to our energy efficiency standards in our spaces. We will be able to demonstrate to you in a way that you can put on your disclosure the steps you have taken to reduce your carbon footprint through your office occupancy. Mm -hmm. And you'll save money because you'll consume less energy. Mm -hmm. And you'll attract talent and you'll retain talent because you're in a good location in a building with transparent processes, energy efficiency, indoor environmental quality. And that is what these kids are concerned about today. That's what talented, smart people are concerned about today. It seems to me talented, smart leaders should be concerned about that as well. If you can't breathe well, if the place that you're working in makes you sick, you're not going to be necessarily that brilliant as a, as a productive worker. Not everybody is an asthmatic. I am. I walked into our brand new offices in 2016 with cork floors, recycled content carpet, zero volat- uh, organic off-gassing uh, materials in our wall coverings, paints, and adhesives. You, know, you walk into a, 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 a into a, a hotel that's recently been redone, oh. and and everything is off-gassing. Mm-hmm. Not the same when you walk into one of the spaces. By the way, tenants... We work and partner with our tenants. I don't care if it's from Starbucks to LinkedIn to STV to iCapital to IPG, the, the, the list of fantastic tenants we have in our portfolio. We work with all of them and we guide them through the process mm-hmm. and they get the result. And that's why since we went public in 2013, we've signed over two and a half million square feet of new leases with existing tenants who expand in our portfolio. Mm -hmm. Think about that. We only have a 10 million square foot portfolio. Right. Since we went public in 2013, 26% of that portfolio has been leased to existing tenants. Wow. Who expand within us. I mean, there's there's no better vote than, than what you do with your feet. Right. But anyhow... Look, I know we're down to the short strokes on time here. So why don't you tell me whatever else you might uh, like to cover? 
because candidly, I've taken, uh, you've given me a great opportunity to take a lot of runway here. Um, what, what else would you like to cover? Well, I mean, I think part of what we, we have to look at is what, what's next? What is it that people might be missing about what's around the corner? How do we prepare ourselves for that with the assumption that the apocalypse will not happen in the next year or two? Um, what, what's next? So let, let's be clear. I'm sure it's for a lot of people who have huge amounts of debt uh, at, at floating rates, who, which, which need to be refunded, that feels rather apocalyptic. Right. So we'll call it a, a, a mini apocalypse. Uh, from our perspective, it, it goes like this. The smarter the tenants are, the more they seek out the science-based data, the more they will gravitate to owners who disclose the benefits of tenancy in their buildings based on the reduction in impact that a tenant will have when it occupies a building that is focused on energy efficiency, carbon footprint reduction, with a landlord who can actually partner with you in the design of an energy efficient, sustainable space in buildings which are modernized and monetized. By the way, notice that I exclude to some degree AAA brand new buildings because an awful lot of them, when they have to produce the statistics as opposed to a glossy brochure that talks about sustainability with a plant wall and a water feature in the background, and actually themselves are not very efficient. Right, right. And, and, and this movement, and that's what people need to know, Very, it's where the ball will be, right? It's where the puck will be. Don't chase the ball into the corner. Understand where it will ricochet out and be there while everybody else chases the ball, you're much more efficient you go to that point. In our view, uh, the future is that the, the properties which provide these benefits will outperform economically. They'll, mm -hmm. they'll, they will be financeable. They'll be future ready for finance. The companies which occupy them or offer them for lease will be future ready for the ability to sell bonds. Mm -hmm. The cash flows will be higher. The retention of tenants and the ability to get tenants to expand will be higher. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, if you are a cash strapped landlord today, it will be very difficult to pay your bills, let alone do the necessary investments. Right. The logical thing, Gunnar, for people to do is to look at what their portfolios are. Take a look at the playbooks we've already published and begin to think about your 10-year CapEx plan and how do you spend that money more intelligently mm -hmm. towards the silver buckshot that together will reduce your exposure. By the way, what, what are our next steps? Right now, we are involved in a public-private partnership with the New York State Energy Research Development Authority, the same people with whom we did version 2.0 for office buildings and version 1.0 for residential. We've bought a bunch of residential recently, as you noted, at, in New York City. 
And our plan is to go in there and do the exact same thing mm -hmm. with a playbook, figure it out, and then share our results with everybody who wishes to copy it. Given all that that you've said, I had a conversation with a non-real estate person over the weekend uh, who I hadn't talked to in a long time. And she asked me, how is it with all the things, how difficult it is for us to figure out a way to, to reduce carbon, to, to save the world, the environment? Uh, you know, there, there's floods in the Northeast right now. There's all these things going on. I, can you feel optimistic at all about us being able to solve some of these big problems within the context of, of business, of making an investment and getting a return for investors? Um, what would your answer to her question? Can you be optimistic in this environment? Well, well, first of all, I'm neither an optimist nor a pessimist. I'm a realist. Okay. okay. And I know that our buildings today will announce our second quarter earnings shortly. We already did our first Q. We leased very well. 2022, we leased very well. Positive marks on our leasing spreads from expiring rents to new rents. Uh, we look at it today. We know what our physical occupancies are. We know the memberships in our on-site gyms have continued to grow. That really represents who is at work. You right, know? right. Uh, memberships have continued to grow. Utilization has continued to grow. And by the way, our, our gyms don't cater to outsiders, only to people in our buildings. Right. And so we look at this and we say, no, there's definitely an economic model here. We know the costs. We've done it before and we'll do it again. Mm -hmm. And we think there is, and we think for anybody who's well capitalized, there's a great opportunity. I think part of the problem is anybody who looks at his or her, their current book and says, well, I valued this at X and now I have to value it at X minus 30%. They're feeling the pain. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people out there, by the way, who have Warren Buffett's view, All right, This is a blip. Take advantage of the blip as opposed to the sky is falling, the end of the world is here. Right. And then there are other people, by the way, who don't have investment. And this is an, a, a tremendous buying opportunity, a tremendous right. op entrance opportunity. And that's the way I'd, I'd leave it. Yeah. You know, my comment is do the work and make sure that you have assets which will be in a position to compete. And a key component of competition, along with modernization and amenities, is energy efficiency, sustainability and indoor environmental quality. It's interesting to me that, that it always seems to come down to some sort of advice one would get from your father or mother as you went out into the world. Do the work. Do the, Do work. the work. Well, point and, click, point, point and click's not that, you know, <laughs> it'll, it, it will buy you a pair of socks. It's not going to make you energy efficient. Right, right. Well, uh, I think that's good advice for us to, to leave it here for, for, for this podcast. Uh, thank you, Tony. This is Tony Malkin with uh, the CEO of Empire State Realty Trust joining us on the AFIRE podcast. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to the AFIRE podcast. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast subscription service, such as Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitchers, and others. A fire is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice. No content in this podcast is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information included has been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable. Though A fire is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed are those of its respective contributors and sources, and do not necessarily reflect those of A fire. Thank you.